hey everybody it's kevin stevenson and you're with me today on i don't care with yeah me kevin stevenson well that's kind of redundant isn't it so today uh we're going to be going back uh kind of in my career uh i spent a little time on the generic pharma side you know in in between hospitals uh back about uh, eight to ten years ago and so my guest today is donovan, donovan quill he is the president and ceo of optimi care donovan welcome to i don't care Thanks, Kevin. It's a really privilege to be here. Yeah, glad to have you today. So tell us about, about Optimi. Um, so Optimi Care is a nationally licensed uh, specialty pharmacy, specialty distributor, and patient service organization that really takes the patient-first approach to care. And we focus on orphan, ultra-orphan uh, conditions and what we try to do is really create a holistic program for those patients um, where we combine all the services that you would see in a, you know, a, a, a pharmacy and patient care model. Um, and we try to create a one-stop shop for patients to really get the care that they need from a support standpoint, from affordability, um, and also to uh, distribute their products uh, to them in their, in their home or whatever site of care that they need to get their orphan products. Okay, really interesting. Well, let's go ahead and explain to my audience what is what are orphan drugs. Orphan orphan drugs are they're classified by the FDA of a, of a, of a drug that has less than two hundred thousand patients um, treated um, in in the in the United States. We really, really focus on the rare of the rare of the orphans. So we actually call it we we call it we treat ultra orphan. Um, and our patient populations that we treat here at Optimi Care range from 16 patients nationwide all the way up to a couple thousand. So we really try to focus on the, the patients who really need a little extra care. They really need a little extra handholding. They, they, they need a little more support when it comes to their therapy. Uh, we focus on, um, like I said, the, the small patient populations, the ultra-orphan, um, anything that's really has a complex uh, nature to it um, needs a lot of handholding and, and needs a lot of education. So most of the products we have, patients were diagnosed uh, with a condition that they've never heard of, and they're treated with a product they really can't pronounce until we get involved. Okay. So, so how did you get in this space? Um, it really it came down to uh, my, my family has an uh, orphan disorder. Um, so I actually have a genetic disorder called alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. It's a genetic disorder that affects your um, liver or your lungs or both, um, causes basically a, a hereditary form of emphysema or, you know, cirrhosis of the liver. So back in uh, 2006, my dad had a double lung transplant due to alpha-1 related symptoms. Most of my aunts and uncles and my grandmother all passed away from it at the age of 46 or 47. After my dad had his double lung transplant, I was actually a uh, college lacrosse coach and uh, instructor at DeSales University out in Pennsylvania. And my dad and I said we wanted to get back, give back. And mm -hmm. I met my, uh, my co-founders uh, at a former company that, where we took care of patients with Alpha One. And I, I started as an, an advocate for uh, Alpha One and a trips and deficiency to help parents, to help, help parents understand from a kid's perspective and help patients understand what they were going through and really helped them just navigate their healthcare. And then um, just worked my way up through the company that we originally founded and worked for the, on a pharmaceutical manufacturer side and not for profit. And then we realized um, 
that we really wanted to start something to take care of patients like our families. And uh, my founder, my co-founders and I started Optimi Care back in 2015 to, to do just that. We felt that there was a lot left to do and a lot more to, uh, to give back to patients and really focus on those patients. So, okay. So we got into it. So, so explain to me is, is what you do more than just, uh, uh, acquiring and distributing the pharmaceuticals for these folks. What, what all do you do? Yep. It's, it's a lot more than that. So while we, we contract with a lot of the, uh, the pharmaceutical manufacturer to create a program for the patient. And when I say that it stems from, uh, patient services. So we, we create a patient, we look at the patient journey and we create a program based on that shape patient journey and every single orphan program or every single orphan condition is really different. And what we try to do is we take the information we learn from the patient community, the, the things that they need, we, we look at the things that the physician community needs and we, and we create a program for that. So a lot of it's around reimbursement and working to get patients covered through their insurance carrier. A lot of our programs and our products are, you know, the insurance company doesn't even know what they are. So the first thing they do is say, they question why it's being yeah. you know, prescribed and why it's necessary. And we have to go through that with them. When in doubt, deny. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so we try to, you know, we try to, we, we, we really try to get the patient through that insurance process and navigate that, that, that world that most people don't even understand. So we have experts here and we create um, a program for that, a particular disorder. So the team that works, that works on that, genetic disorder or that condition only works on that condition. So they're experts in how to get it through the insurance company. They're experts in the disease state. They're experts in affordability. Um, so we, we really, we go through the reimbursement process. Then what we create is a, a care plan for the patient. So we work with their physician and the patient to help those patients through any compliance issues, any side effect issues, any, you know, um, any adverse events that they're going to have, we, we help those patients and coach them through some of those things. Cause as you know, you know, products and drugs react differently in every person. Wow. So we help them through that and we're there to really walk beside them through their entire process. You know, so it's, it's to me, you know, it sounds like you're describing a chronic care management program for That's somebody like, that might be diabetic or COPD or something like that. It's, it's a lot like that. And it's just at a, at a, you know, a, a smaller patient population scale and a lot more handholding. Yeah, so. I can imagine. So, you know, and, and that was something that was always fascinating for me because, you know, people, people see the exorbitant costs of pharmaceuticals and, and they think, well, the drug company is just trying to make a lot of money. And, and of course they are. But, you know, I, uh, whenever I was on the generic side, I actually saw, you know, how much money was involved in research and development and the vast majority of drugs never make it to market. And so there's mm -hmm. never a return on investment on that. So that's one of the, you know, the dollars are typically have to be spread uh, across multiple, multiple drugs. And, and that's why pharma typically doesn't focus on the, the orphan or the ultra orphan, as you say, because it's just hard to get your return on investment. Yeah, it's, it, it's really, really hard to get your return on your investment, but it's also really hard to get the number of patients to actually get through the study. Uh, so sure. I like, even think about that, like, you know, with the, with the product that we have that have 16 patients, you know, think about that getting approved, right? They yeah. had to, you know, their, their study was an N of three. 
um, you know, with, with the programs that even have a thousand patients. Mm-hmm. It's really, really hard to, to look at that. And when these companies invest in that, they're usually investing in something that's coming out of research. They're coming out of a clinical study that, or a clinical setting where mm-hmm. you know, a, a physician has found five or six patients and they found a genetic marker or they found you know, a molecule that will work to you know, treat this patient. And they say, okay, well, if we found 12 in this general area, they do the epidemiology studies and say, hey, there's, you know, 10,000 nationwide or there's 100,000 nationwide. So if we can get a product on the market, then maybe we can help with detection, awareness and education, because now we know there's something you can do for it. So maybe people will look for it more. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's one of those things where there's just, the, the, the amount of money that goes into it, you're never going to get the return on the investment right. and the time and effort, you know, is, is something that it really is something is staggering when you look at it with such a small number of patients. Now, you know, I, I, I host a podcast called rare voices and I, I, I interview parents and patients and, you know, folks that have some of these disorders and it really is eye-opening to me, you know, I, I had a guy on my podcast and he was one of, his son was one of two people with the condition in the United States. Okay. So, you know, is, and, and they have hope, they have hope that they're going to find somebody to, to back a, 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 you know, a therapy for that. And I hope they do, but one of two is really difficult to, to, to spend a lot of money on. And, it's staggering how much it's going to take to go through the FDA for two patients. <laughs> oh, sure. Absolutely. So, so are those, are these ultra rare or, or disorders, are they typically genetically based? Um, some are and some aren't. Some are, you know, they're, they're, you know, your body is missing, you know, it doesn't process cortisol the right way. Sometimes it's your body's, you know, it doesn't um, flush, um, you know, something out of your liver or pro, you know, there's, there's copper, um, overloads, there's, hmm. you know, there's high, high specific forms of hypertension. So it, it, it ranges all around. Uh, there's the, I think the, the great thing about, um, as we study a lot of these rare and ultra ultra orphan disorders is we're finding some of these genetic links mm-hmm. and therefore we're able to start mapping with mapping the human genome and understanding more and more around genetics. You're going to start seeing a lot more gene therapies fall mm-hmm. into that orphan category as we go forward. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about, uh, about the, the genomic theory and everything else with the advent of that, I would imagine that is actually, you know, creating many more diagnoses of these rare conditions. It is, right? it is. Yep. And, and one of the big things that they're able to do is they're able to maybe unfold some of these genes to create therapies, but they're also finding that as they go through and look at the gene therapies, they're finding more and more things that are linked together. Okay. So there's different forms of epilepsy that are linked to SYNGAP1. There's different forms of, you know, of, of these normal you know, the, 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 the mainstream, I shouldn't say normal um, ailments, but mainstream ailments that are linked back to now genetic markers. Mm-hmm. So we may be able to, at some point in the future, you know, use some gene therapy to eradicate some of the, you know, diseases that we've, that we've all suffered from, and then get all the way down to the orphan and ultra orphan, you know, mm-hmm. symptoms or work backwards from the ultra orphan to the mainstream. 
you know, and really figure those things yeah. out. Okay. So, you know, with your, with your obvious passion for, for these diseases, what are you doing to, to uh, engage with the primary care physicians and the specialists to, to be able to identify these, you know, because I'm sure yeah, most of the time, these people have probably been to multiple physicians yep. and they've been turned away saying, I have no idea. So, so what are you guys doing uh, around that? Yeah. So when you look at, you know, when you take the numbers from Nord and you take the t numbers from, you know, different uh, organizations who've really mapped that out, it's, you know, seven to 10 years, three to five different physicians before mm -hmm. they're, you know, these patients are diagnosed. Um, and what we really need to do from a, you know, community groundswell perspective is, is to really change that, to really show that there's, you know, get your story out there, get your voice heard, really talk to these, uh, the physicians to, you know, maybe take some different action on, on diagnoses. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of the uh, pharmaceutical companies are starting to look at point of care testing and things like that. So they're developing, they're developing things that'll make it easier. Um, technology has really, you know, come a long way. So where, you know, it took, you know, a whole blood draw and you had to check serum levels and you had to look at all different things. Now a simple finger stick might be able yeah. to to diagnose somebody. Um, you're starting to see more and more of these things on the, uh, especially from the genetic conditions, you're mm -hmm. starting to see more and more things on the newborn screening panel. Um, yeah. So I think this just making people aware that these conditions are out there and that we shouldn't just take that first diagnosis as, as the answer. Mm -hmm. Question your physicians, question you know the medical community, always ask what's next, where am I? How, how can I find that next thing? And then, yeah. you know, from a standpoint from young physicians, you know, they, they're, they, they're coming into the world and they're, you know, they're a future of medicine question a little bit more, dig a little deeper. Um, I, I did a podcast with a, a physician out of New Jersey who, you know, he always, he, he says he does the doorknob test when he grabs the door, he turns back and says, is there anything else? Cause now the patient's kind of calmed down a little bit. Like doc's not in my face. He's not telling me what to do. And he turns back and he says, is there anything else? And he mm -hmm. said, that's when he actually gets to other things. And that's where he gets to those rare diagnosis is yeah. because they mentioned something in that anything else. Yeah. And it just doesn't match up. So, right. Yeah. You know, and and it, one of the, one of the good things that have come out of the pandemic is just the, uh, you know, the, the greater advancement of telehealth. And so I'm sure this is certainly, you know, as you said, it's brought a lot of hope to many of these people because yes. they're not limited by geography to a certain physician pool. You know, they virtually can talk to somebody around the world. Yep. Yeah. And that's, and that's one of the things that we've relied on too, like being, being a specialty pharmacy and working with these patients on these care plans, mm -hmm. we've really done a really, you know, we've used telehealth for the last, you know, five or six years. And we really have seen the, the difference that can make. And then we, we actually were working with a, a pharmaceutical manufacturer right at the start of the pandemic to work with them on their clinical trial. And clinical trials, you know, through the pandemic, kind of halted depending on where you yeah. were going and how you were doing things. And we, you know, we developed a protocol where we would get the product to the patient they wouldn't have to go into the physician's office to pick up their clinical trial product or to the clinical trial site to get their product. Mm -hmm. What they could do is they could do their telehealth appointment and then we would get their product into their home. So mm -hmm. it really worked out well for those patients. And it really showed that we can really make a difference now 
where you don't have to travel across the country for a clinical trial. You don't have yeah. to, you know, go see the, you can see the, the expert in your disease state who may be 300 miles away. And you and have the remote monitoring right difficulties there as well. Yep. And now we have the delivery of the medication and we can get them to you there too. So it all has come really, um, you know, we, we, we were designing that anyway, but we looked really, we, we, we looked really great in the eyes of the pandemic because it was launching right at that same time. Yeah. And physicians were like, this is a new innovative way to do it. And we were just, we've done it like this a few times with some other clinical trials, but we'll take the credit for it. Yeah, abs absolutely. Take credit where <laughs> you can. You know, I would imagine that, you know, with these diseases, there's a tremendous mental health impact on, on the population. What are you guys doing around that? How are you helping your clients through that? The, the biggest thing is, is really having the, the understanding of the patient, right? So you really have to understand what those patients are going through. And mm -hmm. obviously my personal experience really shines through and, we, sure. and I meet with every single person here to have them understand what that really goes, what, what, we, what that's really like. Um, but it's really taken the time to talk to the patient. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, we've gotten so caught up in technology that we haven't communicated really well, right? So one of the things that we really make sure that we do is we give the patients time on the phone to really hear out what they need. Mm -hmm. And that helps us to understand. We don't, we don't put call times on our patient calls. We don't put call times on our, you know, any, any call that we have. We have a live person answer the phone all the time. We don't use an IR, IV, IVR that a lot of places do where press one for this, press two for that. Right. We try to make it personal and we put the soul back into that that technology world, we use technology, don't get me wrong, but we really make sure that we have that, that, that compassion and that care where we're listening. And mm -hmm. when you're listening, you can pick up on those social cues. You can pick up on those, those things that really weigh into that mental health aspect of things. Hmm. And, you know, with, with some conditions that we've had, we, we look at, do we need to have a, you know, a mental health person? Do we need to have an occupational therapist? Do we yeah. need to have a, a genetic counselor and and we've built programs with that and we make sure that we understand where those patients are coming from we set reasonable expectations for them we we tell them you can call us anytime 24 7 if you have to um mm -hmm. and a live person will answer the phone you know whenever um yeah. so i think i think it's we we've done a lot of things where we, where we replace things with technology that that are that, is, that are great but you got to get back to that human side of things where you're really listening and understanding. No, you're exactly right. So, so let's go back and you fascinated me telling me about the, the parent <laughs> of the child that only that there he's one of two people in the country. Yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about, about the team that you have assigned to that one kid. Yep. So in that, in that sense, um, you know, th that was a guest on my podcast. So we, they don't have a treatment for his disorder yet, but okay. we do have a team. We have a team assigned to 16 people. So we have a care coordinator who is there for those 16 people. They manage all of their reimbursement. They manage all of their care plans. So we, you know, they're, they're the assessments that we do for the patient on a monthly basis, they make sure that the product is there when they need it. They make mm -hmm. sure that that the, those patients know that, you know, if, if they need something, they pick up the phone and call Amy. Um, you know, the physicians that are around the country that know of the disorder, obviously it's treated usually in a clinical resource center, or like an academic center. 
they know that as soon as they diagnose that patient with that disorder, this is the only product for it, they call Amy and, and they really get, you know, they get the things that they need. So it's, it's really that, that trust and that, that compassion that really is there. And, you know, we have a lot of metrics that we measure and I'm sure, you know, from your days over at, uh, at McKesson, yeah. you measured compliance, retention, patient utilization, speed to service, average call. I to still answer. do. Yeah. <laughs> in the hospital setting. Yeah. And you're in the hospital setting, do the same thing. One of the things I've, I really measure and, and this is, you know, something that I, I take pride in because of the folks that are here, they're, they're so wonderful and they form such great relationships. Those mm-hmm. KPIs are great, but when a patient stops here on their cross country journey, and when they're doing an RV trip on I-70 and they go, Hey, you guys were right off of here. I'm coming to visit my care coordinator. Yeah. We get invitations to weddings, to christenings, oh, wow. to Thanksgiving, those type of things. That's stuff you can't really measure. That's th- mm-hmm. those are the things that, that matter so much more than a, than a number. Yeah. And, and that's where I really see that our folks shine is they do have those invitations yeah. and they do really get to, to meet those people. See, that's, a, that's incredibly cool. So I've been I've been standing here thinking now you guys it sounds like you deal with so many different you know conditions how do you how do you market your company to all the potential referral sources because it looks like I mean it's you could throw a blanket across all of primary care and all of specialty care but I know it's it can't be you know you got to be a little bit more focused yeah so we we really try to focus and partner with pharmaceutical manufacturers who have the same mindset we do. Okay. So we, we try to look at, you know, a, a orphan or ultra orphan product that's coming to market. And we try to look at the company who's bringing that product to market. Do they have a patient first mentality? Mm-hmm. Do they have a, a mindset where they want to, you know, make a change? They don't want to do the cookie cutter, pitch this into, you know, the normal distribution channel, put a hub service on it and, mm-hmm. you know, hope, hope for the best. Yeah. We want somebody who's going to be, I don't want to say innovative, but we want somebody who's going to be, you know, patient focused. They're going to say, I want to know, I want to be able to make decisions very quickly. I want to make, I want to make sure that my patients are taken care of. I want to make sure that every patient has the same level of care. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that everything's consistent. And, and, and then when we do find those folks, we really make sure that we do a deep dive and make sure that everyone at that company has that same patient driven focus. They want to make a difference in somebody's life and they want to sure. do it for the better. And that's who okay. we want to work with. That's how we try to go about doing it. When we have the patients, we try to make sure that the physicians understand what we do. And you're right, it does cast a big net. But mm-hmm. once they understand who we are and what we do, those physicians trust us wholeheartedly with their patients. And it's a really good relationship we have with them. Yeah, that's great. Okay, I'm, I'm going to ask a a personal business question. And if you don't want to answer it, that's fine. Sure thing. How do you get reimbursed? <laughs> <laughs> Through a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. I bet, um, I bet. <laughs> no, we, uh, we, we, we are on a, what we call a fee-for-service model. Um, okay. So we basically, we, we work with the uh, pharmaceutical manufacturer. They pay us a fee-for-service. And then we, uh, when we bill and collect on the, uh, the, reimbursement model as a pharmacy um Mm -hmm. we uh we don't troll on that margin we don't troll on that spread so we we have a really unique model that's better for the manufacturer it's based on a fee-for-service and we're not taking that margin that that usually is uh is taken within the industry 
Okay. Yeah, I was I was standing here thinking. Okay, or, or uh, is it is it pharma? Is it is it uh, yeah. payers? Is it is it the actual patients? You know, I, I was trying to figure that out. So thanks for thanks for no problem. <laughs> yeah, I, sorry I had to put my hospital administrator hat. Hey, on. I get it. How are we getting paid for this? <laughs> yep. Yeah, and and what's great about that is the flat fee for service that we charge allows uh, us to take care of every patient the same, no matter what their insurance is. You know, and and you know, not not knocking hospitals, but you guys have to adjust different things for Medicare, yeah. Medicaid, for indigent care, for all those things. And we we're able to take care of every single patient the same because we have a flat fee for service mm -hmm. for each patient. That's very cool. Hey, Donovan, any uh, final words? No, I just thank you so much for having me. It's been a great conversation. I think uh, this is a it's 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 pretty awesome that you're really interested in this and. Uh, if you want to learn more about us, you know, join us at uh, www.optimicare.com. And if you want to listen to a, our, our podcast, it's www.optimicare.com backslash rare, rare voices um, or anywhere or rare voices and anywhere you listen to podcasts. That is very cool. Thanks so much. Well, Thanks, Donovan Kevin. Quill, president and CEO of OptimiCare. It's been a pleasure having you here on I Don't Care, but I really do. <laughs> I have to explain it every now and then. So, so well, audience, friends, we, uh, we're wrapping up yet another episode of I Don't Care with me, Kevin Stevenson. You know how to find us. We're on marketscale.com. Uh, typically, the show drops every Friday. Uh, and then after that, you can find us on uh, Spotify or iTunes. And I'll close today as I always close. If you haven't subscribed to I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson yet, why not? So with that, I'm me. I'll talk to you next week. Take care.